Hello and welcome to Cannon and Cockrell. My name's Michael and I'm a Spurs fan. And I'm Jason and I'm an Arsenal fan. And the, the Premier League has returned. Arsenal have played twice. Tottenham have played once. So, Jason, you've got a lot more to talk about than I do. Um, how do you feel about Arsenal's first two games back? Well, I'm not sure I have a lot more to say than you because I feel like the team have barely played half as what they should have in two games. And I feel like we've just about played one game. Um, it's been a very disappointing start. You know, we were talking offline about, you know, the nation's morale and football coming back. And I'm afraid it has reduced this fan's morale big time. Um, we had a lot of promise. You know, all the stories we were hearing was that the fitness levels of the Arsenal players was exceptional. Um, all this excitement around some of the players doing well in training. Um, you know, we knew that all the fitness was there. Michael Arteta had time um, tactically to work with his players, personally to motivate them on the side. Um, and the big worry is what we got was nothing short of a um, pathetic performance against Man City. I didn't see one thing at all. I don't think I saw a belly or a chance. Offensively, we were absolute shambles. I mean, I don't need to go in on David Luiz. He knows how badly he performed and he came out and said it himself, whether or not that was politically motivated for his contract talks or not. Um, it looks likely in that way. Um, you know, strange team selection, that very first team, that blend of youth and experience, but it just it just looked bad. And then Ozil not even in the squad for, for tactical reasons. I mean, it, it looks really bad. And then, you know, you, you excuse the team for saying, OK, Man City are another class. We know where we stand. We go again at Brighton and, and same again, really. A couple of glimpses, good start, bit of energy. Um, but then it, then it all falls down into, into, into the old Wenger days, really, the 2009 days where there was just, we just weren't creating anything. Um, Brighton looked more dangerous on the counter-attack and had a little more bite in them. And it's all very well seeing Gwen Dursey and the team uh, show a little aggression at, at 95 minutes. But where's that aggression throughout the game? We kind of just let them get away with it. And, it, and there was a lot of foreshadowing in that game that that was going to be the case, that more pay was going to score. We were going to lose. Um, the injuries are unfortunate, but you know we're a big enough club to not have to rely on a goalkeeper who, for me, still leaves a lot to be desired. Um, on a macro scale and uh, yeah I think there are serious problems at Arsenal so it hasn't been a very merry return Premier League for Arsenal um, and overall I'm concerned because if Mikel Arteta's job is on a tactical level then he's failed because he's had all the time in the world to think about it and implement it and nothing's happened and if his job is as a former player quite recently to, to help to understand the players and, and support them with their morale and motivation, that certainly hasn't happened either. It's been it's had quite the opposite effect. You know, you've got contract rebels now galore. Um, no starting at set starting 11. Um, some very good players on the outskirts of the squad now, like Martinelli and Torreira. Um, and it's, it's looking precarious. So, I mean, I could go in on this team all, all day now, but the truth is I don't, as an Arsenal fan, even like 
these players anymore. I don't feel that connection with them. Um, you know, it's all very well. Aubameyang going on MTV Cribs during the lockdown. But, but, but why you can only do that when you start performing on the pitch. And, and he has looked completely anonymous. And he doesn't look like he deserves a contract compared to someone like Nketiah who's running, who's running the whole game. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm kind of speechless as well that this is how it's, what it's become. I mean, Arsenal realised that Arteta would be a future type of appointment, that we were going to go out with the old and with the new. And I, I've got to give him, you know, the summer to, to get rid of the bad eggs, bring in someone, you know, who's going to gonna make this team tick. But I'm afraid if he doesn't, you know, hit the ground running next season, I'm going to have serious concerns. And, and, and I'm already starting to think, well, hold on a sec. We didn't hire a manager. We hired a coach and the coach isn't coaching. Um, what, what, what have we signed up for? Uh, well, not Arteta out, but Arteta, um, Arteta's probationary period has been extended. Is is the best analogy I can I can make. I, I mean, I don't know what it looks like from a Spurs point of view. I mean, I think you're loving it, but as a football fan point of view, um, what do you think? What do you, what do you think Arsenal's issues are? Do you think I'm I'm going over the top, or do you think that, that there's there should be uh, uh, worries and concerns? I think you need a complete clear out of, of that squad. You look at you mentioned all the contracts. Um, issues that are going on with the Bummy Yang. Obviously, there's been lots of behind-the-scenes talk but for many seasons now with Ozil. You've got the David Luiz situation. It just seems like you need what we had almost um, when Pochettino first came in. You need to get rid of the bad influences in the dressing room and transition towards building a new team focused around the youth prospects you've got, um, which is what I actually thought was rather encouraging about his lineup against Manchester City is that it seemed like he was putting a marker down for next season and signalling to the squad, the players who he was trusting and going to build the team around in the future. But I suppose it's difficult to maintain that stance when you do have multiple injuries then in the first half and you do still have those players around and you think, well, you might as well use them while they're there, particularly if they're players as important to you as someone like Aubameyang, for example. But I think Arsenal for many seasons now have had, I think, a unwarranted arrogance about them where they almost still have the attitude that they're um, a winning team but they're not backing it up with the performances and with the actual achievements and you said about um, Grindosi and the players showing that aggression at full time but not during the game and I thought that that said it all really about this Arsenal team that they lack any sort of emotional control and I noticed it as well in the Olympiacos game when you got knocked out of the Europa League where they almost seemed in tears celebrating this goal they scored in extra time and then immediately went and conceded and, and went out a few minutes later. It just seems like they've got no emotional control whatsoever. And that would be my worry when I watched them. If I was an Arsenal fan, I think there's no, they don't have any control over their emotions. They either get too aggressive like Gwendozi did or they get too emotional. And I think they, it almost seems like they're a team that who, who think that by displaying those sort of acts of aggression like they did with Mope after the game, that it, it can make up for the criticism that they get for their performances. Because they think, oh, if we just show in, that we're, we're passionate and, and talk a good, good game, then people will think that we care. But they're not, they're not 
doing it on the pitch and in the games and and when it counts. So I, I is, isn't that the role of the manager? Surely you're 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 the uh, the emotional conductor. That is your number one role. Your players have the tools. You don't have any more. You're supposed to make sure that, that they know how to react. I mean that's that's managerial uh, class one hundred and one. I I get the feeling that perhaps behind the scenes he he's different than what he says in in the post-match press conferences, although he did look very angry both after the City and Brighton game as, you know, as he should be as a manager of, of a team that's lost in that way. But I think it does take time as well. And I think maybe he's he's still learning about this squad and biding his time. And over the summer, as you said, he will make those moves to get rid of certain players, bring in others and, and transform, I think, the... The character of that squad and the personalities in there. You know, maybe there's only so much you can you can change someone's mentality as a manager before you realise, look, I just need to get rid of this person and bring in people who I can trust. Um, so I think, as you say, it's probably not fair to judge Arteta until he's had time to really mould that squad in his image. Because I suspect, if given the time, in a, you know, in, in two or three seasons, the Arsenal team will look very different to, to how it does today. And I think with players like Guindosi, particularly with, with the younger players, I think it's a degree of immaturity. With the older, more experienced players, um, you know, you can't necessarily blame it on immaturity. They, they should know better and they should be the ones providing leadership, which is reportedly what he said, why he wanted to keep David Luiz around because of his influence in the dressing room. But then he doesn't lead by example in terms of performances when you look at his disastrous game. <laughs> A bit, you know, a performance against Manchester City. So, it, it, I think Arteta, similarly to Mourinho, but for different reasons, I think, to be fair to them, even though they have had this time now, over, you know, in lockdown, you need to give them the, the time to to make signings and, and that time with the team to produce the, the squad that they want. Because until then, while they're still working with players who have been around for a while and who carry the, the scars of previous regimes then you know it's not an indication of necessarily what they're building towards although I do think the contrast between Arteta and Mourinho is quite interesting I think you know they came around similar times and a lot of people speak about Arteta as if he's had a this big influence on Arsenal but in terms of results there hasn't really been that much of a new manager bounce which no. in a sense you could say well that shows that there's issues that go beyond the manager in the squad but you look at Mourinho, who gets a lot of criticism, and you know, understandably so, from things that went wrong at Chelsea, Manchester United. But I think, and I th- and I think this was evidence in our performance against Manchester United, as opposed to yours against Manchester City and Brighton. I think Mourinho's had much more of an impact on this on Spurs than Arteta has on Arsenal so far, and probably a lot of that points to the experience. And I wonder with Arteta, do you worry? I mean, you alluded to it earlier. Do you worry about the fact that this is his first job in management and? Okay, at Manchester City, he he would have learned a lot from Pep Guardiola, but he was a number two at a club where everything was set up for success, which is very different to being the number one at a club that clearly needs a lot of work, both on and off the pitch. And do you worry that maybe this job might have come too soon for Arteta? Yeah, I mean, I th- I feel like almost he set himself up for failure because this is such a big job with such high expectations, and if he doesn't do well at Arsenal. And by well, I mean the only thing the only thing he could do is get us into Champions League spaces. I mean that is that is based on last season. That is the next step up. Um, and if he doesn't do that, what clubs will touch him? I mean I don't know whether he expects to manage Barcelona one day, who used to 
um, play for back in the day, or he wants to be a manager who can manage, uh, you know, his old clubs like Everton and and Rangers. I mean, was it Rangers? I believe it was Rangers. I mean, you know, if that's the sort of manager he wants to be, then yes, probably he will um, be all right on his CV by by keeping Arsenal at mid table and 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 just allowing it to t- tick on, but. You know, as a fan, it feels like Arsenal are not supposed to be. I said it to a friend, actually. I said, we're not a work experience case, Arsenal. You know, when some people used to say, oh, I'll give that young player a chance. I said, no, no, sorry. They get 20 minutes at the end of the game and they have to prove themselves. And then they start. You don't start to prove yourself against Man City. It's not, it's, it's, in my opinion, it's not the way it should be done. You know, it's all very well rewarding these training performances, but you have to have the awareness that, you know, people's times come eventually and, and and sometimes you can do more damage um by putting players in before they're ready um i remember oxley chamberlain his first game Wenger puts him on when we were about six one down against man united i'm thinking well that's really positive for his confidence isn't it um and i guess with arteta as well i i i kind of mentioned about you know giving him the chance to um to bring in his own team get rid of players but remember this market We've had a terrible pandemic. Money's at its all-time low. Are we even going to be able to shift those bad eggs? And then we have to go into another season with, you know, a full squad um, of players that run the show over the manager. And we've uh, we've got an even bigger problem uh, than before because the legacy continues. Their influence um, really spreads towards these younger players as well. They'll feel that that is the appropriate thing to do as well. Optimistic on your behalf. You know, Manchester City away is always a tough game at the best of times, let alone when you're forced into two first half substitutions. You know, David Luiz wasn't meant to be on the pitch and it was he was the reason you lost the game through two of his mistakes. And then Brighton away, they're a team who are fighting relegation. You had the freak injury with your goalkeeper. Is is it not just a case of, of tricky fixtures and, and bad luck? I mean, we know obviously there are these underlying issues at Arsenal because this isn't the first time we've seen these sort of performances. But on the other hand, do you also think it's just been a little bit unlucky that you've had such a bad start and that actually things could improve? I think no. And I and I only say that because it's not only about, you know, conceding goals and um, you know, miss fluffing chances. That happens, but it's it's the style in which we've done it, you know, the the lack of energy in the past, the um the sloppiness, the the lack of movement at points, formation. Um, the silly individual mistakes. It looks like there's a real lack of focus. Um, and surely that's, again, the one thing that you should be better on um, after all this time is to be able to to focus on the job at hand. Um, so that that's really, it's mo- more the performances that concern me rather than the fact that, you know, I expected to lose against City. We all had a feeling maybe we're not going to get the full three points at Brighton, but you want to see, you want to see them try. And it, and they really didn't try and I think I think we could easily go and lose away to Southampton next week as well and that could be a real worry luckily we're mathematically safe because if if we hadn't got a few of those points early in the season with with Unai and uh, Limburg, I think we'd be in some serious trouble the way we're playing I've watched the um, I've been watching some of the other games and I'm thinking well Newcastle looked better than us Sheffield United looked better than us the other day Aston Villa looked pretty good I, I genuinely think some of these teams play better football in the eye than Arsenal this season and that is that is the worst insult I could give them they, they are like they are like a mid to lower table team 
and it's happened so quickly. I mean, but it was like the Wenger days. We spotted, we said, you just need one centre-back to get to that level. And he didn't buy the centre-back, but then he did. But then he lost the striker. And then we're like, we just need that striker. And slowly but surely, when you don't buy in the right areas, you don't replace where needed, and you don't fix the holes, that they, um, you know, the Swiss cheese hole becomes a bigger hole. And all the Swiss cheese holes then become one big hole. And then you can look at your friend through the cheese hole and say, hello. And that's when you know your, your team are finished. It's transparent. It's uh, you, you've seen through the um, through the facade of, you know, we've got all these amazing big names. Um, the truth is Pepe, Aubameyang um, and Lacazette, it's, all, it's just all like cheese. It's all like cheese. That's, that's, all, that's all I can say. <laughs> And, and, and I, I need to change the topic to Spurs because I, I I don't think I can speak about Arsenal anymore. Actually, I think I'm I'm fed up of saying the same things over and over and over and over again, um, without it changing. Um, and these press conferences afterwards, it's all very well. Arteta saying, "Oh, I'm angry." It's like, yeah, we'll show your players you're angry because they don't. I, I don't think they um, they respect him at all by the sounds of it. I don't think Aubameyang can look in the eye and real and say, "Oh, this guy's my boss." He knows he's got he's got him um, he's got him wrapped around his finger because he can just say tomorrow, you know what? I can go anywhere in the world really. I can go to most of the top four teams in in European leagues, and you know, I I've lived. I think his family lived in Italy, and potentially still do. So you know, fine, I go to Inter Milan. You know what? I don't believe in this project um, easily, but yeah. So so to Spurs. I mean, I'm 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 jealous. I'm jealous of the way you know you're you're. You're clearly going to build towards the future. Your dinosaur manager, albeit uh, I don't see him winning trophies anytime soon, uh, looks like he's um, he's getting the players' confidence back at least. I mean, do you think that result against United was a good result, or um, do you think you should have gone for the whole three points? I think it was a good result, but I think it was a sign of how well we played that I was disappointed at the end not to have won it because. There's no doubt that if that match had been played when it was originally scheduled to, we would have lost the, the, the way our form was at that moment in time compared to United and the injuries we had. And going into the game, when I saw the lineups, I thought we were, we were going to lose. I saw, you know, Rashford and Martial and Bruno Fernandes up against uh, Eric Dyer and Davison Sanchez at centre-back and a, and a Winks-Sizoko midfield pairing, which hadn't worked when they both played together against United at Old Trafford earlier in the season. So I went into that game feeling the worst. And I was really pleasantly surprised at how well organised we were, how well we defended, um, how what the threat that we had on the counter-attack with Bergwijn and Son and, and Lamella and Kane. And I could, I could see the plan. I could see what the game plan was. I could see the structure. And that hadn't been the case pre-lockdown where our defence was all over the place. We didn't seem to have any sort of plan going forward. It, it was a mess. But I saw here, and a lot of it is because players have come back from injury, but I saw here what I wanted to see, which was signs that Mourinho was getting through to the players, that he was that he was improving the defenders, that he was improving the organisation, that we were looking more solid, that we didn't just look like we were going to concede every time the opposition came forward. And even though it was frustrating that we didn't hang on to the 1-0 lead or, or get the second goal, I, I felt actually very positive about the performance. I think it was more of a must-win for us than United in terms of trying to push for a Champions League spot. But I think 
Eric, I thought Eric Dyer played really well at centre back. I think the penalty was a very, very soft penalty, and I think if it weren't for the wasn't for the penalty, despite their dominance towards the end of the game, United weren't going to score. They had a couple of moments, but for all their supposed possession and dominance in the second half, I don't think they were scoring unless they got that penalty. And the, the one thing I was frustrated and disappointed about was that Mourinho didn't make more substitutions. To only make two out of your five substitutions, given all the circumstances and that the players who've returned from injury, I think is pretty almost irresponsible. And it, it was no surprise that Man United looked the fresher and better team at the end of the game because they were the ones who had used all five substitutions. And Mourinho said afterwards it's because he didn't have attacking options on the bench and, and that was where we needed to make changes. But I think he could and should have put on Undembele or Ryan Sessegnon to help relieve some of that pressure and give us more of a counter-attacking threat, which we lost more and more as the match went on and Kane and Son tired and the team just dropped deeper and deeper. And, you know, we, we were asking for trouble and it was it was no surprise that then, you know, Pogba coming on looking fresh went and got the penalty. If we'd put on Undombele, then maybe he could have had a, a similar impact to, to what Pogba did. But I think it was it was very promising and I was encouraged by how much we'd improved on the defensive side of things. If we'd played Man United uh, pre-lockdown, I think we would have lost by three or four goals. But the fact that they only scored through a penalty, which I personally think was rather dubious, I understand other people might disagree. Um, but I think that was encouraging. Now, obviously, if we go and lose to West Ham, then then all of that goes out the window. But uh, You mentioned Ndombele just before, and, and it seems to be like a similar saga to, to Mesut Ozil, really. You know, these very good players who seem to have you know, in historically put in great performances and, you know, came to the clubs for big money, seem to not be playing. I mean, is that a concern to you that, that Jose is doing his his classic uh, ostracisation of, of players and, uh, and, he, and he might not be uh, become the Spurs player that they want him to become? He didn't come on at any point in that game. Um, the only explanation that I could except as if he's starting against West Ham. And uh, he thinks, look, if I hold Undembele back and I know I'll have Delhi back from suspension, hopefully Lucas back from that injury. And if maybe he's thinking, look, you know, West Ham on Tuesday, playing on Friday night, I'll save some players back. So against West Ham, I can make five, six changes, bring in Delhi, bring in Lucas, bring in Undembele, bring in Alderweireld, make it seem like a, a new team and, and make sure we stay fresh and avoid injuries. But the fact that he didn't bring him on, I thought, was strange, particularly given how much he'd been praising him to the press beforehand and, and praising the work that he'd done over lockdown. Obviously, uh, Mourinho and, and him broke lockdown together to go for a little run in the park. Um, so it, it was strange he didn't come on and, and a bit concerning given what Mourinho said about Undembele before. I don't know whether he's... I think he's clearly trying to get a reaction out of Undembele and trying to you know, test him whether or not he responds positively to that, you know, we'll see. But I think, um, I hope that he do, he starts against West Ham. If, if he doesn't play against West Ham, then I, I will be concerned. But I, I, I hope that, that it's not another case of Mourinho falling out with an incredibly talented player who then ends up leaving and, and proving his worth elsewhere. Um, but yeah, to be honest with you, I, I do worry about it. But I hope that Undembele will will prove him wrong and his, his talent will shine through and that he will step up to the challenge that Mourinho's laying down for him. Because I'm sure I'm sure if you'd like a loan deal for him, uh, Arsenal would be more than willing to take him up, rather. <laughs> well, it's funny because people people were talking about Pogba and Fernandez, and we saw glimpses of their, you know, potential partnerships towards the end of that game. But I'm I was looking at that and thinking, 
Undembele and Lo Celso could be just as lethal a partnership, if not more so, than Pogba and Fernandez, if if put in the right team together and with the right structure around them. And maybe what we're lacking is that solid defensive midfield presence who can sit alongside Undembele and Lo Celso and, and allow them to to work their magic moving the ball forwards. And maybe that's why we're being linked to players like Pierre Hoiberg from Southampton. You know, maybe, maybe he'll be that player, uh, particularly if Dyer now is going to play as a centre back and and Suzoko. I thought he played very well against Man United, but Mourinho said before that he doesn't really see him as a defensive midfielder. So I think Undembele and the Celso could could be our Pogba and Fernandez. It's just whether or not Mourinho gives them the time to prove that and whether they can they can both stay fit enough. Um, and obviously, going forwards, Harry Kane first came back since the 1st of January. Obviously, he was looking a bit rusty. We know he takes a bit of time to get back into the swing of things anyway when he comes back from an injury. If we can get some more alternatives and competition for Kane up front as well. Because I think there was a little bit, even though I think Mourinho should have made more substitutions, I think there was a little bit of truth in what he was saying and that he was limited with his attacking options on the bench. And I think we've known that for a while, that another striker could be useful for us. So I, I honestly think we're only a couple of players away from having a really good team again that, that can compete. But, you know, you were just saying with Arsenal, oh, we were a defender short, then we were a striker short. It's been a similar story for Tottenham as well over the years always one player short never the never the full full picture but it, it certainly the game against United the performance gave me a lot more belief in the, the Mourinho project than I had before and a lot of other people seem to have even if I was frustrated with his with him not making substitutions but you and Dembele thing will be you're right to ask about that that will be a big test I think going forward of, of how much Mourinho has changed and whether he can get a tune out of those younger talented players and it'd be interesting you know obviously Mourinho is linked to Arsenal before it's it, I think it's fascinating to consider how different things would have been at Arsenal had Mourinho gone there instead and, and whether he would have taken a similar approach to Undembele with with some of your players um do you think someone like Mourinho is is maybe more what Arsenal need right now than an Arteta someone who would be a bit more confrontational with those those bad characters well yeah now now I think about it um you know, we were linked with uh, Mourinho and Ancelotti, and you really think you we we needed. I remember saying on this podcast, I think about a year ago, that we needed um, a manager after Emery to take us back to the Champions League. We needed someone to take us to the next level, um, and that would have been a, a top top manager. And it looks like we've regressed to the point where now we're using Arteta to get back to where Emery was, which wasn't very good. Um, whether or not Ancelotti and uh, Mourinho would have just been a short-time fix, um, we'll see based on on how long they last at their respective Premier League clubs right now. Um, but I, but I guess based on this current evidence, you'd say yeah, you know, we needed discipline, and and Mourinho certainly seems to have brought that. He seems to have he see, he, he looks like he's got the respect of your squad, and he he, he he's. And that he's number one and he's in charge. That's what the impression I've got in his press conferences. And again, that might just be because he's older than Mikel Arteta. But Arteta doesn't seem to have that gravitas that he's in charge. It feels more like head coach versus head manager. That he's the coach and he's there to put in the tactics. Um, but really, the director of football and everyone at the the, the high level are the ones who are, who are supposed to, you know, make sure everything's ticking in terms of uh, morale and uh, it seems like they're treating Arsenal like a business really 
really like they're using it like the psychology of business how you get teams working and uh keeping everyone in their place and that's um i i worry that it's it's become an organizational issue rather than a they that a team issue that it's it's become more business than football with arsenal and that i think that's the biggest worry that we're bringing in players based on relationships rather than who we actually need um you know david louise no mistake about it he was a terrible signing it's it was of the ilk of michael sylvester a player who's completely on the decline and experience can only um be a remedy for so many issues you know it, it actually adds more to the mix it makes you think well hold on a sec who's in charge is it Mikel Arteta or or David Luiz that's a, that's a that is the real concern but that lack of leadership I suppose and and I think that's been uh no more illustrated by the fact that Aubameyang is not a captain he's he's not my captain I I I love him as a player when he plays well he's amazing you know his personality is great he's he's been our top goal scorer I mean you can't give him uh any more credit than that but he doesn't seem to be that captain type who's going to rally the players behind him when they're up against it um and not many players do have that personality um you know the john terry's and the stephen Gerrards of this world that kind of captain is is gone and it's a shame um you look at that squad even bellerin could he be captain purely out of being the longest serving player at the club but other than that i don't see that that dominant figure, whereas once we had the Thomas of Marlins of the world, who were who were they were they were strong. Vieira, they 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 players led were led by them, like the Pied Piper a bit. Um, we don't we don't seem to have that leadership, but we've been talking about that for for years and years. And if you can't if you don't have it in your players and you don't have it with your manager or coach as well, then that's where we have the problem. Sounds like uh, a lot of work is needed at Arsenal. Music's my ears. It's concern. But, yeah, listen, we'll see what happens. I mean, based on what you've seen so far, albeit just one game, what do you see Spurs' short-term future looking like? Where are you going to finish this season based on watching the likes of Wolves and Sheffield United and Leicester play? Uh, what do you think is going to... Can you, can you can Mystic Michael predict the future of the Tottenham this season? To be honest, I think we probably will finish around where we are where we are at the moment. Maybe we'll finish seventh. I think United probably will be good for for fifth. I think we could catch them. I still think there's some weaknesses in Man United, but I can't see the the top four changing from what it is at the moment. Liverpool, City, Leicester, Chelsea. It's just whether we can make a a push for that fifth spot, which could end up being a Champions League spot. But to be honest, I think Wolves are probably more likely than anyone at, when you look at the way they're playing. Um, so I think may, maybe we finish seventh, but to be honest, if if that gets us into the Europa League, which I'd be happy about, I know some fans would rather we, if we're not in the Champions League, to to avoid um, Europa League altogether. But I actually think, and this would, I know, it would sound crazy at the start of the season, but if we can finish seventh and maybe scrape Europa League qualification, I don't think that would be a terrible season, considering where we were when Mourinho came in and where we were pre-lockdown. And I think, to be honest, Wolves deserve a top five, top six finish. Sheffield United, on the basis of the first two games back, look like they could be on a little bit. I don't want to say a decline because we play them soon. They'll probably beat us. They've had a couple. They were, they were obviously horrendously unlucky with what happened against Aston Villa. That's a whole other conversation with the goal line technology. They're not working. 
Um, and Newcastle today, they, they crumbled a bit after the red card. But I think if any team is going to fall out of that top eight, they look the most likely. But then there's, there's teams coming up from behind. Maybe Crystal Palace make a late push for those European spots. It's it's opening up a bit now in that that mid table, you know, in the middle of the table. But I think I think we can make a push for Champions League. I think we'll prob I think we've probably given ourselves a bit too much to do. But I think we've put ourselves in in a good position to maybe maybe finish top seven, top six, and and get a Europa League spot. How about for Arsenal? What are you thinking now? Are you looking over your shoulder rather than, than looking ahead of the table? Yeah, I mean, I mentioned before, uh, thank God we've got um, some leeway in terms of the relegation spaces because I genuinely think if we didn't have as many points, we could have been sucked into that back battle unbelievably. Um, I envisage us maximum getting an eighth place. I, I could see us getting into the bottom half of the table, honestly. I think... I think based on our fixtures, we've got some really tough games away to some of the smaller so-called clubs and, and some tough games against uh, yourself and Liverpool. I mean, uh, and you know, we have the last game of the season against Watford. I believe it's the last game of the season. And, uh, you know, if they need to survive, they'd probably be more motivated and up against it. I think how you said that Europa League is better than, champ- than nothing... Um, I agree in the sense that it gives you that option, you know, to go and win it the next year and another way to get into Champions League and a trophy, obviously. But I think Arsenal need to do what Liverpool did once upon a time ago. I believe Chelsea had it as well. Um, You get out of everything. You only have one focus and that's the league this year. Um, And, you know, that's what you what that's your your sole focus. Forget about the domestic competitions. Play the youth. Um, But we've got to go sole sole. Soul, soul for the uh, league next year. So I would prefer, in this case, to just plod along, get a couple of results, and and you know be where we are. Know that this season is a write-off. If we get to the, if we manage to win the FA Cup, I mean it would be a miracle, and I think it would be really important for Arteta's, you know, status and 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 kind of. Um, and just a little bit of a statement to show Arsenal aren't aren't quite the small club everyone's uh, thinking they're becoming. Um, but certainly, I think the season's a write-off for me. I'm not expecting anything else. Um, I don't think we deserve anything else, most importantly. Um, but I do worry if if uh, there's only going to be a month probably between the old season and the new. So where's that big change going to come from? They've just had their their pre-season essentially. Um, and if it's not going to come from transfers um, and we're not going to get anyone young and new very quickly, then then where's that going to come from? I mean, it's uh, it's worrying times for Arsenal. Time will tell. See if you, the Swiss cheese holes uh, remain or whether there's another food you'll end up comparing them to. I always prefer Edam anyway. <laughs> <laughs> 